Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, beers get refilled, chicks dig drinkers, podcast lasts forever. Hops and Box Office Flops, a place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back. This is our 211th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. We are the internet's premier podcast for bad movies and mostly good beer. Tonight, we continue our look at gridiron flops with a movie that has miles and miles of heart. 2000's The Replacements, a movie loosely based on the 1987 NFL player's strike. I, Bling Blake, am your head coach and play caller for tonight's episode. And with me, as always, are the Welsh footballer with a leg of gold and a gambling problem, the Thunderous Wizard. They're going to take me pub, Shane. We also have the super aggressive SWAT team member slash middle linebacker, Chumpzilla. All cops are bastards. Boy, talk about a stereotype that did not age well. It's like, ha look how funny it is. He uses excessive force. It's like, <laughs> not funny. Maybe it's not that, maybe it's not that funny. Wasn't funny then, it's not funny now. And of course, the never was QB that should have been Captain Cash. Whoa, I know quarterback. Now, points of order, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. The replacements can be streamed for free on Max. However, I own this, and so should you. It can also be streamed for free on YouTube. Not like officially. Officially through YouTube, you'd have to pay for it. But yeah, it's just not being checked enough that someone's uploading it, because why not? Play your cards right, and you can get a worst of gene hackman dvd set with this and welcome to mooseport oh come on that's also a fine film i, I don't talk. think it's fair to say gene hackman's at his worst here it's just not one of his stronger entries in the filmography yeah, well, they okay, can't that, all be crimson yeah, be, yeah. <laughs> I, I would just say this after hoosiers for his sports films this is not uh not the best fine let's talk beer Tonight, we are drinking The Public Pale Ale from D.C. Brow Brewing in Washington, D.C. It's a classic American pale ale with a pleasing floral aroma and mild citrus notes provided by the Centennial Hops. And it's nicely balanced out with a good malty flavor as well. It pours a fairly clear amber color with a couple fingers of foamy white head that leaves just a bit of lacing. It does come in at a Captain Cash disapproved 6% ABV, but this is a nice little beer. I'm a fan. Um, You know, it it barely failed. It's like 1% off. That's a gentleman's pass. Hey, we'll take it. Um, This is a great uh, brewery in Washington, D.C. that I drank a lot of uh, when I lived in town there. So we we went with this one tonight because the movie takes place in D.C. with our Washington Sentinels, which, by the way, we'll have to get into this later. I'll just say it now. That's what the Washington football team should have gone with for their new name. They should be the Washington Sentinels. Now, the Hogs, 
That's why they got Private Porkins or whatever his name is. Sergeant Tubby or Sergeant I, Tubby. You think they could have? I feel like there might have been like rights involved. Well, they, somebody would have, well, somebody would have owed somebody money. They have this classic group of fat men who dress in dresses and wear pig noses called the Hogettes. It only made sense for them to be the hogs. It doesn't make any sense. That they're, they're dressing up makes no sense. That's the loosest sense of sense you can apply. The Washington biohazards because their stadium is full of radioactive materials. Hey, it's better than RFK, which was literally falling down the last time I was in that building. The, so uh, the Washington Oppenheimers. Now stop it. Wait a minute. The Washington non-disclosure agreements. That actually checks out. <laughs> Snyder's gone now. That's, that's cold. Big, 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 big daddy Dan is out the door. He is. So how many bad movies would I be willing to sit through while drinking the public? Uh, I give this fairly easy drinking pale ale two and a half bad movies. It's like the Shane Falco of beers. The Shane Falco of beers. Good, not but offensive. Just not good enough. Yeah. It's not, fine. not offensive. Probably handsome. Striking when in the wind with this hair blowing personally personally as an ohio state fan i found the fact that the ohio state quarterback was a failure to be a bit of an insult but it also checks out because most ohio state quarterbacks were professional disappointments it all tracks the replacements came out in the year 2000 and was directed by howard deutsch who also directed pretty in pink and the great outdoors he was he was a big uh, uh, John Hughes guy. Yeah, yeah he did some collaborations. Um, yeah. This movie was not written by John Hughes. It was written by Vince McEwen, uh, who doesn't have that many credits to his name. Shocker. But like most sports films, we get an ensemble cast, including Keanu, John Wick, Reeves, Gene, Royal Tenenbaum, Hackman, Brooke... Nikki and Swingers Langton as our love interest, John Happy Favreau also in Swingers, and mm-hmm. Reese Sir Otto Hightower Iphens and uh, and don't forget Orlando Vox Jones. Yes, folks, that's a time machine reference, the good one with Guy Pierce. Uh, wait a minute, that movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't, th- I don't think you could say the good one and then say you know with Guy Pierce. <laughs> Wait, he, he he was in uh he, he was in uh any number of movies, yes, up to and including Memento, oh. Iron Man 3. I can uh, go on. Not Guy Pierce, Orlando Jones, he was also in uh Evolution. Uh, Evolution is a very good movie. That's, uh, with, that's with your boy uh, Duchovny. David Duchovny. American Gods. Uh, uh no, he was in Bear With Me. He was in Bear with uh, me? Is that the sequel to Cocaine Bear? Cocaine uh, Bear? It could, it could be. It could be. What's the movie about the the tech company in Texas? Office Space. Yes. He works for Penetrode. Yeah. He used to. Now he's selling yeah, magazine he subscriptions magazines, to yeah. Vibe. What am I going to do with eight <laughs> subscriptions to Vibe? <laughs> to vibe. Yes. All right. Moving on. Sorry. There are a bunch of other great actors that show up in this thing. Uh, and we even get cameos from John Madden and Pat Summerall. This and cast this, is wildly stacked. 
It's stacked, man. Wait, um, and- cameos? They're like in the whole movie. I haven't heard so much Pat Summerall since Madden 95. <laughs> I mean, they're not they're not really characters in the movie. I think it's cameo. When you appear as yourself. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, to your point, though, William Blake, I think Pat Summerall sobered up a bit for this. He's like, I, I best foot forward. I gotta, gotta, gotta dry show, out a little bit. Gotta show up here, yeah. And it is the last film appearance of the late, great Jack Warden, uh, who plays the owner of the Sentinels. So That's this true. is his last yeah. movie. The grandpa from Problem Child. I think he was the him and Gilbert Gottfried are the only ones that appeared in all of the Problem Child movies. Oh no! Yeah, that I sounds, don't know. I... That sounds right, but also sad. Like that's weird. That's a weird, weird, a weird factoid. Weird fact. Smiley pies. So the replacements only pulled in fifty point one million at the box office on a budget of fifty, which seems like a lot of money. But I guess when you have that many actors and you're using multiple stadiums, stadii. Yeah, but not enough. No, there's a that's a that's a high budget for this. Uh, critics generally did not love this movie. It's admittedly a little formulaic, and the characters are all cliches, uh, bar none. Mm. It sits at a 41% on Rotten Tomatoes with over a hundred a hundred reviews and gets an expected audience bump up to 66%. I think I saw there was like over 100,000 reviews for this on Rotten Tomatoes from the audience score. I mean, this is legitimately a cult classic. It is. And I think you should get that audience bump on those feel-good sports comedies. Like, people like these movies. I love this movie. Um, I'm also a self-professed Keanophile, and I love football. So this is kind of right up my alley. Yeah, 1A and 1B right there. Mm-hmm. So let's do our one-liners. Captain Cash, what do you have for us? The scabs. That's it? Just the scabs? They're, listen, they're crossing a picket line. I got no respect for any of these bastards. Mm-hmm. You know what the insurance costs on a Ferrari? I know I don't like no fucking scabs. <laughs> Chumpy, what do you got for us? Uh, the bad news bears go professional. Okay, that's fair. And uh, Thunderous Wizard, give us your Debbie Downer one-liner. Do you take all your favorite elements of better sports films like Major League and Unnecessary Roughness, you get the replacements. A film that is so 2000s, it's almost too ironic that it came out in 2000. (laughs) Uh, You can also say, hey, the replacements, a movie that actually holds the fucking ludicrous belief that the players are the problem with sports grade. Yeah, all that checks out. Mine is a team of never made it get a second chance at gridiron glory. And oh, our, oh, every, I mean, every technically, foot- it's a first chance. Every every football movie ever. Yeah, every football movie ever. I mean, you yeah. want? I could say that. What movie are we talking about? Is this that Kurt Russell? Every movie football movie ever. Shut up, shut up about. What's the new one with Shazam that I, I liked and also thought was terrible at the oh, same time? No, not the Kurt Warner movie. Yeah, it that was, one. That was fine. It was fine. Fine. Uh, uh, fine. Everything's fine. I uh, everything's uh, fine. It's fine. Uh, what, what's his face? Uh, Russell. Um, oh, shit. Who plays Dick Vermeule in that? Um, Dennis Quaid. Dennis yeah, Quaid. Dennis Quaid, yeah. So here's my biggest issue with this movie because I actually like this movie. 
But for a movie that's over two hours long, to not only have all characters that are cliches, but to give none of them character development whatsoever. No, it definitely does not develop the football players as real humans at all. It's 110% just focused on Keanu, and even that's half-baked. The extent of the character development is when uh, the two brothers call the uh, Japanese guy, Chinese guy, and he gets mad. He's like, I'm not Chinese. That's the extent of the character development. There's a difference. Yeah. Is there? that? <laughs> now, now you get this movie in a nutshell. I'm a criminal. I'm a cop. We're friends against all odds. But we don't actually have a single conversation in the movie. It's very one-dimensional, but it's fine. It's it's what you expect. I mean, it's a sports comedy. Right. I'm My biggest like, problem with it is I, the ending. It seems well, a little heavy for a sports comedy. Well, we, here's the thing, Captain Gash. This is based on the legitimate 1987 uh, NFL labor strike. This very is, loosely. Very this is, loosely. This is based on a, a real thing that happened. But yet, yeah, to everybody's point now that just stated it, they don't take it very seriously. Well, like this, this, this was like based on a thing that actually happened. And they're just kind of like, yeah, we're going to yada, yada, yada most of it. Everything is just very compressed. For example, yeah. you get the guy who can't catch. We've seen it everywhere. They even do the stick em bit from Little Giants. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Verbe. <laughs> now, we did unnecessary roughness on this pod, right? And you get like an entire montage of Featherstone being incredibly flat, fast, but he can't catch. And this is just kind of implied he can't catch because they show you yep. one time he runs into a guy. Yep, exactly. He also drops the Twinkie. Yeah. Same trope. Same trope. Yeah. Same trope. So it's like, how in a two and two hour and 12 minute movie that features so many goddamn transitions of cheerleaders doing weird things, could we not fit in like a couple of character beats for people? If you want character beats, you're going to sacrifice the sexy cheerleaders, and I just don't think the audience is going to put up with it. They made that movie. It's called Any Given Sunday. Just go watch that. Called, why, why isn't that? called Necessary plot? Roughness, which is the same movie, but better. We already did that one. I don't remember the line in Little Giants where the kid says he looks like he jacked off an elephant, though. No, but he they, does the stick of it. <laughs> It'd be funnier to hear that. That movie even has that. John Madden in it, so it's like double this, dose of Madden. He's probably more of a cameo in Little Giants. Oh, and the actual IMDb description is during a pro football strike, the owners hire substitute players. So they phoned yes. that as much as they phoned in the character development. The owners, the guardian angels of the integrity of sports, bring in substitute players to teach the greedy brats a lesson. Across a picket line. That is the movie, the message this movie is trying to hammer home that those pro athletes, oiled brats. Yeah. And they only care about themselves. But you know who's the righteous people? The owners. The owners, yeah. The billionaires. They're fine. They're they're the ones doing it for the fans. If they weren't so smart, why did they have all that money, Blake Blake? Because their parents gave it to them. Well, that's you, you can't prove that, can you? All right, let's get into the plot. There's a labor strike in pro football, and the league has decided to play the last four games of the season with replacement players. I do think it's funny that they never actually call this league the NFL. None of the teams are actual NFL teams. It's just pro football. They reference the Super Bowl, though, because somehow the goddamn okay. uh, uh, state representative from the Dark Knight Rises is quarterback, even though it's clear he's not an athlete. 
Martell? Eddie Martell yeah. has got two Super Bowl rings, man. He's an All-American. He's all pro. So the owner of the Washington Sentinels calls old coach Jimmy McGinty, played by Gene Hackman, out of retirement to lead the team. McGinty agrees on the condition that he gets to recruit the players that he wants and have complete control of the team. So let's just really quickly go through who this team is. So we get our best offensive weapon. No, not Shane Falco, but Nigel Gruff, played by Reese Ephens. Am I saying that right? Ephens? Ephens? Oh, uh, sounds right to me. He's it's Welsh. The, he's the Dr. Kurt Connors. Dr. Kurt Connors, uh, Sir Otto Hightower, a Welsh soccer player and pub owner nicknamed The Leg because he can kick a soccer ball the entire length of the playing field. He's wiry. We have Walter Cochran, played by Troy Winbush, a preacher that played one game in the pros before blowing out his knee. We have Earl Wilkinson, a.k.a. Ray Smith, played by Michael Jace, a former star defensive bat kick returner serving a prison sentence for assaulting a police officer, and he's allowed to play only with the permission of the governor of Maryland. Hey, kudos to that stunt double, because that guy looked like he could really play. Uh, he's like the best athlete in the movie yeah fun fact uh michael jace i believe is currently serving a 40-year prison sentence for murdering his girlfriend oh yeah no, <laughs> he, he killed her hardcore yeah oh uh, yeah. no so Life one of, imitating art yeah once again un- one of uncle chumpy's fun facts that aren't fun fun fact he's a murderer cool yeah Whee. cool i'm doing cool We also have Daniel Danny Bateman, played by John Favreau, a seemingly quiet and reserved man who goes completely berserk when working as a SWAT officer or playing football. I was going to say, this is a fun part of the the 90s and uh, early 2000s where John Favreau was like a weird character actor. And just jacked, too. Just giant and not, not the guy that was like, oh, he's the Iron Man guy. No, he's just John Favreau. He's Swingers, swingers, you know that guy. Heyo. We have Jumbo Fumiko, played by Ace Yonamine, a Japanese sumo wrestler turned offensive tackle. We have the Jackson brothers, two brothers and former offensive linemen turned bodyguards for rapper ODB. How about that for a cameo? Fuck yeah. They only seem to excel when they play on the same team. And they are Jamal, played by Faison Love, and Andre Jackson, played by Michael Talaferro. Here's an actual fun fact for you. I've seen Faison Love in person twice in my life. Once at a breakfast joint in Phoenix, and once at the Cincinnati airport. Both times he looked more angry than any person I've ever seen. Just so, so mad. (laughs) He he got up and walked out of the breakfast joint because his breakfast didn't come fast enough. (laughs) He's scowling the entire time. Oh, no. Bring that man this bacon. Don't keep him waiting. Yeah. (laughs) Hook a brother up, man. Come on. We've got Clifford Franklin, played by Orlando Jones, a stock boy currently working in a mini mart who can outrun anyone but cannot catch anything. Like, I understand how the coach finds Johnny Falco. Why does the coach know that, like, some dude who works at a grocery store is just real fast. Am I am I thinking about this too hard? Not, yeah. not entirely. 
there is like a secondary like list of dudes that are just like randomly talented. These guys do keep tabs on. In it, in all this movie's efforts to essentially replicate that spring training scene for Major League, they never bothered to be like, "Oh wait, shouldn't have all these guys have played football?" No, no, some of them doesn't have to. No, it's cool. No, <laughs> like, don't even worry. We saw about this it. guy chase down a criminal. He must he right. must be able to play. We like him. We like him for it's, stealing it's... a Twinkie. We've got Brian Murphy, played by David Denman, a tight end who would have been a first-round draft pick had he not been born deaf. He's the weird guy from The Office, right? Yeah, yeah, Pam's uh, original fiance. Yeah, not so but, much weird. He's just an asshole. He's not. Yeah. He's, not he's the not cool boyfriend from The Office. Nothing weird about being an asshole. I mean, not for this group. And of course, we've got Shane Footsteps Falco, played by Keanu Reeves, who is persuaded by McGinty to come on board mm. and be the quarterback again. After that horrible. Absolutely no good, awful, upset loss at the Sugar Bowl. The Sugar Bowl. The 1996 Sugar Bowl. Which totally did not happen. Didn't exist. Never happened. Not not a thing. For the record. I wouldn't leave uh, this movie up to doing too much college football research, considering several several times throughout the film, they're at one yard marker, and then they're at a completely different yard marker on the very same play. And I, I think that's the point, though. It, it, it was not about that actual event. That was kind of the joke. Yeah, yeah, they were definitely uh, yeah, they, definitely write a, a joke like that for the for the general movie audience because they're super hip to like '90s college football. <laughs> oh, I got it, nailed it. Got I it. did. What, what are you trying to say here, T. Dubs? Sugar Bowl jokes. For some I just reason, took everything on face value that they said about sports is a thing that would was plausible. Yeah, I mean, was that's that all wrong. Right, You're fine. You've missed absolutely nothing in this. Film. Okay, just checking. So, moving on with our plot, uh, we've got the captain of the cheerleading squad, Annabelle, who's obviously going to be our love interest of the film, and she's looking for replacement cheerleaders because I guess they're part of the. NFL Players Association too, or they? they... Yeah, when the players go on strike, do the. Not no. Uh, But they hire Heather, played by Sarah Ann Morris, and Dawn from Caroline Keenan, two strippers. Seems cute. Yeah. They bring a bunch of their friends from the club, and that becomes the new cheerleading squad. A bunch of strippers. It's fantastic. Is that not how it's normally done? (laughs) I'm sure it's close enough. I mean, again, I, I saw think, nothing think, incongruous here. All things considered, that seems fine. So, in our Sentinels' first game using replacement players, they trail by four with only a few seconds left to play. McGinty calls a passing play, but Falco reads blitz and audibles to a running play, with Cochran getting tackled just before he reaches the end zone, and the Sentinels lose. And that's when Coach McGinty kind of gets on Shane, and we get the line that, uh, Winners always want the ball in their hand when the game is on the line. And he's like, is, dude, I started practicing three days ago. Shut up. <laughs> I was literally scraping barnacles off of yachts the 36 last ball, hours ago. The last ball yes. I threw was an old trophy I had that I had buried at the bottom of the sea in all my misery and tears. All right. <laughs> So that night, the actual the the actual professional Sentinel players taunt the replacement players at a bar, which 
how this always happens in sports movies where opposing teams are always at the same bar or that's always a weird thing to me, but this ends up being a fist fight, which we also get in every sports movie and the replacement players get arrested, but they bond in jail by singing Gloria Gaynor songs and doing electric slide and begin to come together as a team. I mean, nothing quite like the bonding situation that comes with being in jail with someone. Hey, Chumpzilla. No comment. Uh huh. So the newfound team chemistry leads to a last second field goal victory in the next game, which I believe would have been an NFL record, a 65 yarder from the leg, leaving the team needing only one more victory to make the playoffs. However, the owner tells Coach McGinty that Eddie Martell, the all pro QB of the Sentinels, has crossed the picket line and will be reactivated by the Sentinels for the final game of the season. McGinty protests at first, saying that he will use Falco as his quarterback, but the owner convinces him that the team cannot afford to have Falco choke with the game on the line, especially since they are playing the best team in the league who has had their entire team cross the picket line. A heartbroken McGinty tells Falco that he has been cut in favor of Martell, but Falco accepts the news, saying that it's the best for the team since Martell is better than him. To which McGinty says that Falco has heart and Martell does not. By the way, then, generally an insult in this first world. Like, yeah, but you've got hearts. Like, you got you heart. keep getting up, but you also keep getting knocked down. But but you get back up. And that's, and that's a good thing. Yeah. And then Falco stands up Annabelle because he's he's depressed. So his mental health is an issue throughout the film. There is there are some mental health concerns for Shane Footsteps Falco. PTSD, so now we are, not the least of them. You know. So now we're in the final game of the season. Martell can't connect with his new team uh due to his bad attitude, and he yells at them whenever he makes a mistake. Of course, at halftime, the Sentinels are losing, and a reporter asks McGinty what they will need to win the game, to which he replies. Miles and miles of heart, which is meant to be a message directly to Shane Falco. Yes. Uh-huh. And like the icebox in the little giants, there he appears at halftime to save the day. You you guys remember when Bobby Boucher showed up at halftime and the mud dogs won the bourbon bowl? And cheerleader gear and all, Shane Falco shows up. <laughs> so of course, Falco comes. Uh, to the game at halftime, the rest of the team kicks Martell out of the locker room, and Falco runs onto the field at the start of the half and draws loud and thunderous applause from the fans. He apologizes to Annabelle and kisses her on national TV, and Cochran is able to run for a touchdown before he shatters his knee again. The central score again. With only a few seconds left in the game. McGinty calls for that field goal to tie it up, but Nigel, the degenerate gambler, has to throw the game in order to avoid losing his pub. So Falco goes all Lucy and Charlie Brown on him and snatches the ball and runs for a touchdown to win, only to have it called back on a holding penalty. Then he goes to the sideline and tells McGinty that he wants the impl- wants the ball, implying that he's gotten over his fear of choking. And then Falco throws a pass to our deaf tight end, Brian Murphy, for a touchdown. Sentinels win, advancing to the playoffs. And the team does the electric slide in the end zone. And, of course, we end with a voiceover from McGinty saying that uh, nobody went on to play football in any meaningful way after this. But, uh, you know, 
It yeah. didn't matter because they had a good second chance and, and they had glory. Sincere, sure. Sincerely, the quarterback's club. Don't yeah. you forget about the football scams. Of all the things, the way to end it like that, did, 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 I don't know, that, it didn't leave a bad, bad taste in my mouth. Really. It was one of those, this is a fun comedy. All everybody, of these people went back I, to their boring fucking lives. Everybody has a fun, happy ending. Don't now me. you have to go back to your boring life. The movie well, is over. They were just setting the table for the replacements too, where the actual team lost in the playoffs, making McGinty force the owner's hand to bring back all the scabs, his real team for one last run at the title, essentially just being Major League Two. And in it, it's way worse. And John Favreau rides, rides a motorcycle and falls in love with a local teacher. And it's just hot shit all <laughs> over the place. Oh, no. There, there was a planned sequel to this movie. Oh, God. Oh. It got You're scrapped. hurting him. You're hurting him. Stop. It got, it got scrapped. I, I think, you know, Kevin. Oh, Cash- really? Why? <laughs> Was it because the guy stabbed his girlfriend? Oh, does that happen? That, that, that would be bad. Was it because of the murders? As Chumpzilla said earlier, you know, this is based off of the real strike in 87. And after yeah. all those uh, NFL players crossed the picket line and came back, all those replacement players went back to being forklift drivers and doing their regular boring ass jobs, which is how oh. the real thing ended. So, okay, gentlemen. The replacements. How many beers are required? Captain Cash, start with you. I mean, it runs a little long, but I'm three enjoyment beers. It, like, is it the best thing I've ever seen? No, but it's kind of interesting to see all these folks where they were, you know, 20 years ago before their subsequently all their careers, minus Hackman, who was already well established at that point, kind of took off. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that's right where I am. I'm right with you. Three enjoyment beers. I love this movie. I might even have a four. Okay, maybe then I long, maybe but... then I should say two. <laughs> but like not, again, it's not bad. It was a fine way to spend like two hours. Yeah, I'm not sitting here talking about that this is gonna go like into the hundred greatest movies of, of the decade kind of situation or all Fair. time. But I love this movie and I watch it over and over again. I love this movie. Chubby, how many beers for you? Uh, I saw three beers. It's a fun movie, but uh, you know, it's not, it's not a great movie, but yeah, three beers. Thunderous Wizard, keeping it going. Uh, it's like two and a half enjoyment beers, one and a half pain beers. The first 30 minutes of the movie is pretty bad. Uh, the whole convoluted, the, the pro players are evil and the owners, are, it, it just doesn't work. Like that doesn't work anymore. So that's a huge dated element of the film that just makes no mm. sense. Like, uh, But it's impossible not to root for Shane Falco. He's one of the great fictional sports characters of all time. So, yeah. Uh, you know what? Three three enjoyment beers, one pain beer, just because of Falco. But the movie Fair is enough. not without issue. It, it has quite a few issues, including the truncated romance subplot, her driving around like a lunatic for no apparent reason, Yada, yada, yeah, yada. she's a really bad driver, but she probably had Maryland tags, so that's that's why. I, I just don't get it. It's like, oh, this will be funny. It's like her driving headfirst into oncoming traffic. That's a like, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> DC drivers are crazy, man. Yeah, that's what you get. All right, well, that takes us into our first break. 
So we're going to hear from our brother from another coach, the J-Man of the Double Turn Podcast, and we'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's the J-Man, and I'm the host of the Double Turn Podcast. Every month, myself and a featured guest bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in the industry, or taking a look back at some of the greatest matches and moments in history. So check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And give us a follow on Twitter at TDT Wrestling Pod and on Instagram at The Double Turn Podcast. And don't forget to check out our home base at WabamEntertainment.com for all your comic book and movie needs. And check out our sister podcast, Hops and Box Office Flops. Enjoy, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Welcome back. We are continuing our 211th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops with our look at Gridiron Flops and 2000's The Replacements. And we have some lingering questions. So first and foremost, question uh, to the panel. Why did this movie flop? Well, there was a period of cinema where sports movies were huge. They were a huge deal in the 80s, early 90s. And this kind of missed that boom. And it doesn't help that it just is ripping elements of of better movies. So the reason it's rewatchable is because it's dumb, fun, and dispensable. But it's not exactly like something you would have to go see in a theater and then like... I want to see that again. No, I'll watch it for free on TNT, which is how I saw it a million times in high school. But yeah, it just lacks that certain, you know, it's like it's like Major League Two. Major League Two is not very good. I'd still watch it if it's on, uh, but it's not Major League. It's not a classic. I think that's fair. Yeah. Gentlemen, anything to add? It's funny because I think ultimately what buoys this is the strength of the cast because the the writing is pretty thin and you're down to Hackman and Orlando Jones, Keanu. And uh, honestly, my favorite character is John Favreau's character, but you're relying completely on your character actors to give these basically hollow husks of characters, something, you know, to work with. And I think it's a testament to how stacked the cast is that they take that very thin premise and, it's still one we'll, you'll remember fondly because even if the story isn't that great, you do wind up really liking the characters. And I just don't think in 2000 that was going to be the hit, you know? Enough. Yeah, I mean, you figure 2000, Keanu's pretty much in his prime. I mean, I would, I would I mean, argue he's remained in his prime, but... Yeah, well, if you think about it, like, The Matrix would have come out the year before so ostensibly these could have been shot if not at the same time pretty close enough that when he was filming the replacements he didn't know the matrix was going to be the matrix yeah and so i don't know maybe they did they not put enough marketing into it i mean is that is that part of it too i don't know well i'll leave that into our, our next question then which is you know what could have made this movie more successful is it just better writing I mean, arguments. <laughs> no, definitely better writing, more sensible pacing. This movie's all over the place in terms of pacing, in terms of tone. Correct. So, yeah, yeah, that's the answer. And you're you're entering like just a different era of cinema where people want to see big, bombastic things on the screen. Like 
the matrix was an event like 99 had all these 1999 had all these insane films um that's what people started to spend their money on and then that was sort of the thing for the next two decades where big budget movies took over and it was harder for medium-sized cinema to be successful i mean this made 50 million it shouldn't have cost 50 million for the record i don't know couldn't have been the music because good god was that bad the whatever licensed songs they were using i've had the soundtrack stuck in my head all week and it's <laughs> not not that good <laughs> well that's fine i mean I think that that checks out yeah i mean where where did that 50 million dollars go it's just because we had a massive cast like did gene hackman cost a ton of money Listen, the blow rider was at least five of those million. There had to be a decent amount. Angry phase on love alone, probably. <laughs> took took a, a mill of that. Uh, all right. Well, then let me ask you this. More fun questions. Who's your favorite player? I think there's a right answer, and it's John Favreau's character. Just Anything. his hilarious screaming. I just I guarantee you this this alone helped to get Favreau some of those tougher guy roles that he had mm-hmm. from like like into like 2005 and then he then he was Foggy Nelson. Yeah, he what was the one with uh cu- couples retreat also with Phase on Love? And he was jacked in that too. I feel like he just goes up and down maybe a little bit with the uh the physique. Possibly. Yeah. He's just one of those guys. Uh, I I love Bateman. I love the scene where they're talking about their their fears in the locker room. And so Orlando Brown saying that he's afraid of spiders cracks me up every time. That, that was pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that joke. But obviously, I mean, come on. I, you guys know you guys know who I'm picking. Shane Falco all day. Yeah. And since I knew you would do that, I would have said Falco. And now I'm so conflicted because Ray Smith is my favorite like football player in the movie but now that i know he's a murderer i, I can't really say him so i'm going with Nundeska! Nundeska! you eat eggs uh, before the game yeah coach <laughs> you know, i know you're a crazy bastard he's <laughs> only a crazy bastard would eat eggs before the game he, jumbo's pretty funny and he never really did anything else now i i'm assuming he actually was sumo i don't think so I, oh, so I think he was racist character. Then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think he was in sumo movie. At, he was in movies as a sumo, but like, because they even gave him the haircut. I was like, that's not no. Yeah, I think it was <laughs> a wig too. Yeah. Uh, I just want to go back to. I, I'm shocked this flop, considering what was out in August 2000. This is one of the worst months in movie history. Hollow Man won the month. Space Cowboys, old. Old people centric film. Yeah. A lot of old important actors. Nutty Professor 2. Yike. Oof. What what lies beneath? Yeah, I could see that being a couple's movie. Coyote Ugly. The Cell. I mean, what lies uh, beneath in Coyote Ugly? Uh. I mean, but these aren't like strong, strong movies. And then X-Men was in like its second month and still mm. almost beat this. Wow. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen. Knowing what they would become, Keanu versus Jackman, eh, Keanu versus Wolverine. I, I can't really blame Keanu for not coming out on top on that one. That's a fair point. 
yeah, you know, that's, that's a tough, I'm not tough because it's, there's, there was, just, there was just no interest in going to the movies at the end of summer 2000. Well, and, and then August, I guess, was a softer month in those, in those years as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, Jesus, the Nutty Professor 2 is horrific. <laughs> I mean, that's not a good, is that one just called The Clumps? It's The Clumps, yeah. It was uh, actually, it was pre-Norbit, the Norbit prequel. That's also a very unfortunate movie. And that's one way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so where does this rank on your list of football movies? Oh, I mean, it's below Necessary Roughness, which I like better than this, and I also have way more nostalgia for. Uh, but in terms of like goofball movies that I saw when I was younger, like I certainly don't revisit the little giants very often. Mm, uh, no, I, I, I like that movie. I think it's fine, but I mean, you'd have to be more of a kid for that to, to work anymore, but as a comedy, I, it's fine. Yeah, it's good. It's rewatchable. And that's, what's important. Might not be like the best movie, but it's rewatchable. You can jump in this movie at any point and be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to watch until at least this scene or, Oh yeah, I'm going to stick this out. And by the way, I'm surprised nobody that, that nobody picked Nigel Gruff as their favorite character. I, I actually hate that character. Spike. So, yeah. I think he's a stupid character. It, uh, it's funny because, you know, all I knew of that guy at this point in time was, I know I'm jumping around. I'm jumping around on questions like this movie jumps around in this plot, but it was like this and Notting Hill. Was the guy in the bathtub and Notting Hill, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, then, like later on, I find out that he's like a very serious actor. Like now, you know, now he's in the the Game of Thrones sequel or prequel, or whatever. Yes, as arguably one of the principal antagonists, maybe uh, they're all kind of antagonists. Everybody's an antagonist in Game no, of Thrones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I sorry, can't get back into that. I can't do it to myself again. I can't be hurt. I can't. I can't hurt myself like that twice. Uh, he had some good one-liners in this, though. You know, when. Jumbo tells him to go F himself and he says he's got to find his wiener first. I thought that was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> he should have gotten pancaked by somebody at some point in the movie, though. He's just such an asshole to everybody. He's I like, mean, that wow. is fair. Somebody yeah. should have put this dude in his place. I mean, technically Shane did when he broke his arm. Yeah. Turns out he had to get that amputated and then he became a college professor. So there you go. Bad news for him. Um, yeah. So for me, I think on my list of football movies, it's it's tough. Because I bet I watch this more than I watch any given Sunday. But any given Sunday is such a fantastic movie. I mean, there's way less hanging dong in this, so that that's a plus. There, I mean, wait, for which one? <laughs> any given Sunday is like a virtual meat buffet at points. It's like, all <laughs> right, I get it. Communal showers, I get it. <laughs> we got it. There's that's penis. The real meat tornado. Yeah. Category five. All right. And uh to wrap up our lingering question segment, we've got a big one for you guys. Who is your QB one? Falco or Utah? I'm glad you asked this. And I have a prepared answer because I've been thinking about it a lot today. And normally I would have said Johnny Utah. But as I was rewatching this film, I said, I can't I can't say Utah because Utah's most glorious moment in football was was tackling Patrick Swayze into the ocean during a sand football game. Falco, on the other hand, picks himself up by his bootstraps, 
and goes out there and, and fucking does his thing. He becomes footsteps Falco again for one glorious moment. I mean, the run on the holding call, come on. It's very Josh Allen-esque. It was, it was a great run. I mean, I think it's probably more of a Joe Burrow style, but you know, it's uh, let's, fine. Don't, come on. <laughs> let's, let's not. Chicken legs, I Joe, want you to know no way. there's only one football great Johnny that I recognize, and it is neither Utah nor Falco, but Rico. That's right. Johnny oh. Rico from Starship Troopers, I possibly gonna... <laughs> throwing the 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 ball to win future football, where maybe he hooks up with Denise Richards. I thought you were going to Johnny uh, Rico, Johnny B. Good, as played by Anthony Michael Hall, where he's a sought after quarterback, the nerd from the Breakfast Club. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. He that guy's on uh, what is he on like Young Sheldon now or something? Uh, he's big. I guess it's Michael Hall is like, him. like he's he's a big oh no it's uh it's not that one it's the other one uh, uh the Goldbergs either he's way not, oh yeah not. totally totally the same show yeah <laughs> close enough yeah hey I'm all Falco I want to be clear footsteps is not a a complimentary nickname no that usually means you hear the footsteps and you do you like have some sort of you know spasm yes, he he got that after the meltdown <laughs> but I'm still with Falco I mean. Utah never went, never went, played in the pros. I think Falco got drafted. Utah got, you know, hurt his knee. His literally his most glorious moment is tackling a dude in jeans at a midnight football game. Now, that is a good point though, because I think Falco's best hit is when he tackles Danny Bateman on the onside kick. That's right. They only had 22 players in that team. Falco was on the onside yeah, kick that's, hands that's, team. That's another thing uh, they don't mention that. They're playing Iron Man football because randomly at the end of the movie, it's like, all right, do you want the ball, Danny? It's like, wait a minute. When did he start playing offense? Yeah, suddenly he's in the huddle now. He's uh, a pullback. Also, I, I do need to point out another big strike against Utah is like, yeah, you get Bodie, great athlete. But the rest of the guys he's playing against are like a bunch of beach bum tweakers. It's not like he's playing against the best of the best. I mean, to be fair, neither is Falco. Like, do you think Roach is like an all around good athlete? Come Pro- on. Probably not. Now, if Warchild was in the game, I might I might swing back the other way. Back off Warchild. <laughs> he already lost that fight. All right, gentlemen. Well, that brings us into our second break. So we're going to refresh our beers and catch you here on the flip side. Welcome back, listeners. We've broken down the movie. We've gone through our lingering questions. So that brings us to the competitive portion of the pod. And tonight we have the Chicks Dig Scars Trivia Challenge. It is our standard five-question, multiple-choice format quiz. Gentlemen, tonight you are playing for Shane Falco's recovered All-American trophy. That's right. We sent divers down into the D.C. Harbor. Dug this thing up, put it back together, and that's what you're playing for tonight. Your chimes are, I'm wiry. I've seen monkey shit fights at the zoo more organized than this. And, of course, not the sky! Or any of the pod stalwarts. Can I Can I do I got to the ball! I got to the ball! I, yes, absolutely, you may. <laughs> okay, thank you. Sit down. Okay. 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 Uh, gentlemen. Are you ready? I was born ready. Question 
number one. The scene at the owner's house was shot at a home in Baltimore, Maryland, in which historic neighborhood? Was it A, Mount Vernon? Was it B, Seton Hill? Was it C, Fells Point? Or was it D, Federal Hill? Uh, farts and tarts. That is Chumpzilla. Yes, Mount Vernon. That is correct, sir. Uh, fun fact, I lived in Seton Hill with Mrs. Bling. We lived in Baltimore for four years, and that was right next door to Mount Vernon. So we spent a lot of time in Mount Vernon. So you just Mount sat Vernon. in the hills looking for this house. Like, I love that movie. I'm going to spy on it. I'm going to go find it. I, I know exactly where that house is. It was uh, owned by like an architecture firm uh, in, in town. So they huh. film a lot of D.C.-based movies in that Mount Vernon neighborhood because it looks like Georgetown. Cool. Uh, so you, I'd be walking around town and keep seeing, and, you know, suddenly you see like 40 DC cop cars in this neighborhood. And it was because they were filming a show. Uh, we saw a lot of House of Cards. In fact, Kevin Spacey in that first scene in House of Cards when he's sitting in church, that's a church that uh, Mrs. Bling and I got married in. Right there. There you go. In Baltimore, wow. not DC. All right. Question number two. Brian played his college ball. That's the deaf tight end. In Washington, D.C. at Gallaudet University. What is the mascot for Gallaudet? Is it A, the Saints? Is it B, the Bison? Is it C, the Cadets? Or is it D, the Eagles? Farts and Tarts. Thunderous Wizard. I'm just going to do it because it rhymes and say the Cadets. The Gallaudet Cadets? Yeah. Well, it does incorrect. rhyme, but... Rhymes enough. It rhymes enough. It's wrong, though. Uh, I want the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Captain Cash. I'm going to go with Eagles. That is also incorrect. Damn it. Like, every three teams in America is named the Eagles. I thought it was a safe right. bet. Let's call a red herring, Bo. Damn. Well, so, I hope you're happy. Uh, yeah, hold on here. What do I have left here? You're down the to best the... options are gone. Yeah, you're down to the Saints or the Bison. So I'm going to go with the bison. The bison is correct. Yes. Look at Chumpzilla running away with the quiz tonight. The mm. bison, huh? The bison. There's, there's only a handful of college football teams that don't end in S. And the bison oh, will make that list. Yeah. All right. Question number three. Earl Wilkinson, a.k.a. Ray Smith, is let out of prison to play for the Sentinels. This is based on a real player who was allowed to play one game for the Washington Redskins on work release during the 1987 strike. What was that player's name? A, Alec Gibson. Is it B, Charles Jackson? Is it C, Mark Carlson? Or D, Tony Robinson? Farts and tarts. I'm just shooting in the dark anyway. C? Mark Carlson is incorrect. Damn it. I wasn't going to win this anyway. Winners always do. What you got, buddy? I'm going with D because I, I, that name sounded familiar. But Tony Robinson is correct. He played QB for one game and they beat, I think, the Cowboys. All right. Question number four. The Replacements is the final film of Jack Warden who plays the owner. 
Warden served in the U.S. Army during World War II. In which major battle did he fight? Was it A, the Battle of Salerno? Was it B, Guadalcanal? C, the Battle of the Bulge? Or D, the Invasion of Normandy? C, Battle of the Bulge. Without a chime in, Chumpzilla gets it. Uh, my, my, my grandfather also fought in that battle. As did mine. The only battle of the bulge your family fought in was you squeezing into that goddamn <laughs> Spider-Man suit a month ago. Uh, yeah, he, uh, Jack, served in, he started off in the Merchant Marines. He hated it, uh, so he joined the Army. He ended up in the 101st Airborne Division. He should have jumped into Normandy, but he injured his leg what? the night before doing a practice jump. Did not jump into Normandy, but he got better to join his team in the Ardennes. Uh, he was a sergeant and a jump master. That's pretty cool. Okay. Question number five. Chumzilla, you, you've owned this. So now you guys are just playing for pride. Question number five. Director Howard Deutsch got his start doing music videos. Which video did he direct for Billy Joel? Was it A, We Didn't Start the Fire? Was it B, Keeping the Faith? Was it C, You May Be Right? Or was it D, Allentown? Oh, it's got to be A. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning. You got it wrong. Captain Cash. I had no idea where that was going. <laughs> Again, I, I I have so little knowledge of any of this. I feel like it, it's just a <laughs> random guess every time. So farts and tarts. A. That was what Chumzilla just said. So pick a different one. Yeah. B. <laughs> it's correct. Hooray! I nailed it. All right. Me. So we finish up three to one to one. Chumzilla, I will get that. Shane you, Falco, All-American Trophy, headed your way. Amazing. All right, gentlemen, well done. We are on to recommendations. Thunderous Wizard, let's start with you. Okay, so I got a couple. Uh, on the uplifting sports movie beat, I watched Champions with Woody Harrelson, and uh, where he essentially Gordon Bombays himself and gets a DUI and is sentenced to do community service and he winds up coaching a special Olympics basketball team. Uh, all the kids are so charming. It was obviously very predictable, but always kudos to the Fairley brothers for um, including people on the spectrum or with down syndrome in their movies and representing that community. So I liked it a lot. The kids were great. Um, fun movie. It's free on Amazon prime. Uh, I rewatched Dial of Destiny over the weekend because I own it now, and uh, I loved it even more the second time. So if you did not catch that in theaters, be sure to check that out. If you buy it digitally, there's a great five-part documentary about the character and the making of the movie, which is also great. So, yeah, can't recommend that highly enough. But Champions Free is a lot of fun. You know, you know exactly how it's going to go, but it's a good movie. Nice. Thank you. Captain Cash, what do you got for us, bud? I had been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3. That's been a lot of fun. For me, uh, I've got a couple for you. 
One is another Keanu Reeves feel-good sports movie, and that is Hardball. Oh, no, I knew it. Yes. I knew it. Uh, it looks like you can get it on Amazon Prime right now, as well as Paramount Plus, and then you can rent it for three hundred nine. Be prepared. Because you're going to you cry. If you thought Shane Falco's backstory was surprisingly dark, just wait till you watch Hardball. Wait till you watch Hardball with the coach of the Cucumbas. Came out one year later, so I guess uh, he was still riding high from his replacements. Literally just got a haircut, just put on a leather coat, walked to a different set. <laughs> Pretty much it. All right, it's not that good, but I still like it, and I'll watch it again. I love it when you call me Big Papa. Yeah, so check out Hardball. I love it when you call me Big Papa. It's a good one. Uh, the other one, because Reese Ifans, Ifans, Ifans is in this movie, uh, I do like House of the Dragon. I do think it's a good show, and I do enjoy him on it. And then, of course, I'm going to go watch The Great Outdoors again this week because I didn't realize until I was doing my research today that uh, it's the same director. So I love The Great Outdoors. That's a great movie. Yeah, I mean, that's all there's to say. That would have been a real solid recommend. Yeah. I mean, I'm recommending it. Go watch it. I just haven't. I didn't watch it this week. And I am reading that book about all the 80s, 90s comedians and John Candy sounded like just the best dude, and he just couldn't get over his demons, which just sucks. Ah, such a bummer. Um, yeah, he was he was the best. So remember, folks, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and Bo Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at Bling Blake. The Thunderous Wizard is at Writer TLK. Captain Cash is at C A P T C A S H on most of your social media. And Chumpzilla can be found at Chumpzilla8 on Twitter. We also have an APB out for Mayor McCheese. So if you can find him, perhaps send him a message at HBOF McCheese on Twitter. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. In the end, listeners, remember one thing. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. We'll see you next week for our penultimate entry in the Hops and Gridiron Flop series, which is... Dazed and Confused. Yeah! Randall Pink Floyd! We'll see you next week for Dazed and Confused. <laughs>